Well, wow. <laughs> Good morning. Jeez. Well, hello and welcome. <laughs> I wasn't quite expecting that. I have no idea what that was. Do the listeners hear that? That was Well, <laughs> I guess we should explain what happened. It's like we had the jukebox muted and when we went to go live, the jukebox was still playing and we weren't expecting it to expecting expecting it to still be playing. It caught everybody off guard. So there's like a minute and a half we can't get back. <laughs> Should we just start over? <laughs> and I can't talk. No, I think that's what that's the draw is the the rawness of these episodes. So uh, hi and welcome to another episode of Shop Talk with Jeff and Jonathan. We are joined again once again this week with Vinny. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Vinny? Good. How are you? Good, Jonathan. I know uh, you're still alive, although Good I think Lord. barely. Right. Good lord. <laughs> I can't catch a break, man. Can't catch a break. If if you could see how Jonathan's, I sprained my ankle at work last this weekend. And the funny thing is, it's not even anything it exotic. Was stupid. You I just stepped wa- to were the walking, side right? Of yeah. the tire to help a client set up his suspension. It looked fancy. <laughs> God. <laughs> Did you see it? I I just saw him spin and fall. But I, I thought he was just sitting down. You actually it, saw it was, me? No, I saw it, I saw you kind of sit down. God. That's what it looked like. like and I, I thought you were tying your shoe or something from yeah, where I was. Right? Yeah, That's what it, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, when, yeah, when someone said that you s- twisted your ankle, I thought, ah, oh, he, he's, he, you know, he's fine. And then you weren't. So you no. legitimately got, got, some, got some great three yeah, going on or like something, it, right? Yeah, I heard the pop. Yeah. And... I mean, I didn't know where it was coming from, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, what an hour and a half later, I'm still icing it, and you know, I'm like, it's starting to to get tender right under my ankle joint. So, went to the doctors and filed the workers' comp injury form, and <laughs> oh, good lord, it's the first time I've ever done that. And it's I'm and it's not, not proud like you it. were doing anything exotic, like we no. said, you were just walking, right? Yeah. That's. So that's always a good thing. That's an indicator of age, I guess. I'm getting old. When yeah. you just, you know, break yourself sitting down or standing up. I, I don't know. It seems to never never be ending or never ending. And the ability <laughs> to not speak clearly, I think, is, an <laughs> <laughs> is another indicator of age. Uh, well, that sucks. And uh, you've been hobbling around, and now you're, like, kind of on orders to, the, to let it heal a little bit then, huh? Uh, apparently I'm on orders. I can't return to work without a doctor's note. So <laughs> and I'd be hard pressed to look for that doctor. Man, <laughs> I don't know where he's at. Where? Yeah, I don't, doctor left. He's doctor golfing. Doctor can't get me a release. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll work on it. So yeah. that's awesome. Uh, you guys went to bike park. Where'd yep. you guys go? We went to a sky park up at Santa's Village in Lake Arrowhead. It was awesome. Most fun I've ever had on a bike. Really? Yeah. Wait, your first time you've ever been there? It was my first time I had been there. I'd been to Summit and Mammoth and places like that, but this was my first time there. Really? Yeah, and it was fun, fast. Dirt was awesome. Company was great. They had beer. You know, it's funny. We're going to get into, you know, today's topic, we're going to get into, you know, kind of uh, history of bikes and how I got involved and stuff. And I do not, cannot ride like that anymore at the bike parks really yeah you know. at all 
I, you probably could. You just don't have a desire to try, maybe, or no? Part of the old age thing, right? I mean, this is all full circle in that sense of, like, I'm not willing to get hurt. Yeah. You know? You know, trying to do the step downs and and clear a double and stuff, you know? I used to be stupid and daring and be like, yeah, sure, and it's not going to hurt that bad. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, ah, I don't, you know, I don't desire to risk it, right? Yeah. Um, but it's also a matter of evolution of mountain biking, and I have not kept up with the evolution of mountain biking, mm-hmm. mountain bike riding, right? The, the way this park is set up, I felt really safe. I mean, you can get out of control, but it's just so smooth, and the way they do all the, the structures and jumps and the groom, yeah. it's just, oh. you feel safe. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we got there, like, literally, we could have been one of the first one or two people down, and they were still grooming and watering and raking yeah. the trails oh, really? and yeah. fixing the berm. So it's like every time yeah. you ride, if you get there in the morning, it's like riding on virgin snow. It's like they take the time to ensure the park and the trails and the runs are on point. Yeah. And, they, and that's, I, I think that's what makes it awesome, that they really take time to, uh, to work on everything. That's cool. It's, it's yeah. fun. Sky Park, they did a really good job. Yeah, because, yeah, I yeah. mean, I used to ride Snow Summit, you know? Yeah. So, Snow and Summit, if you're listening, you, ride hard. you need to fix your park. Okay. <laughs> is it really bad? It's not as nice as Sky I mean, just to be totally honest, Santa's yeah. has got them beat. Yeah, well, what I think happens is well, everybody wants to gravity. Everybody likes the idea of, like, riding a chairlift up and then just sledding down. But I don't think that, that Snow Summit once the trails are open, they do any work on the trails. Oh. So about a, you know, six weeks in, with everybody just pounding them every day, brake ruts, they're just really, everything's washed out, yeah. in my opinion. The times that I've been, it's like you're really sketched in some of the corners, some of the braking ruts would just beat you up just because of how people, you know, how abused they are. Mm. Um, you know, but everyone loves it. I mean, Miracle Mile, Party Wave, all that stuff is a challenge and gives you the things that you want in a in a – in a downhill sled, mm-hmm. I guess. But um Well Snow Summit's where I learned how to gap and jump and yeah. Yeah, it's, drop and it's a know. fun you'd probably feel safe at Sky Park then. Because oh. everything's yeah. rollable. I mean I don't think there's anything that you can't roll. Yeah, no, everything's oh, no? yeah, no. everything's rollable. Yeah. And in, in <clears throat> on some of the super techie stuff, like they've got a new kind of corkscrew or toilet bowl wood feature that kind of does four or five best turns around. There's not like 10-foot drops and whatever? They well, had a few they, big drops. They had a few big drops, yeah. but everything has an alternate or safe route got around it. it. So if you don't want to commit, you can go around it, adds it. a little bit, but it still comes out. It comes out at the bottom of the That's feature. Cool. Mm-hmm. So okay. they've put a lot of effort into it to make it family-friendly, kid-friendly, and for those that want to push it, gives you the opportunity got to push. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because... You know, oh. you can you can hit the lips and and jump and 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 get air, or you can hit the lips and jump and send it. You know what I mean. Got so it. the option of the speed that you carry into a feature is up to you. Okay. So cool, cool, cool. I don't know. I it's a really <clears> good time. <throat> yeah. I, I enjoy it every time we get up there. You get work because you have to pay to play. Meaning, there's no lift. You climb. You're pedaling. We did like two thousand oh, feet of no climbing. Lift. Yeah. No lift. No. Yeah. Oh. We, I think in uh, the we did probably eight nine runs. Yeah. Maybe. Almost uh, ten miles and over yeah. eighteen hundred oh. feet of climbing yeah. or something. Yeah. It, like, it was almost two thousand feet of climbing. So, yeah, every run you do, you're climbing back up. You climb up to the start and same climb over and over too. <laughs> 
and it does it doesn't get easier. So Got now, it. but you know it it what it does do it it helps keep the traffic and everything spaced out. You're not running over anybody, mm-hmm. and it's like by the time you get to the top, the group that was already up there. Now they're dispersing and heading out, and by the time that you're ready to go, the next group's coming up. So you're never really running over anybody. You know, a couple of people doing hot laps, but and then again on a Tuesday, it's not crazy crowded. I bet. Shh. It's our yeah. secret. No, it's really crowded. You shouldn't go on yeah, a Tuesday. Yeah, never go on a Tuesday. Yeah. Jeez. So it was fun. We had a good time. Who? And you r- rode hard for yeah. like five hours. Yes. It was <laughs> awesome. The car ride back was just like. It was very quiet. <laughs> very quiet. Hitting bumps and falling asleep. I didn't think Vinny fell asleep once I, or twice. I didn't. I don't. I did not fall asleep. I was driving. Oh. Yeah. But somebody next to me did. <laughs> I'm not going to say who, but he had a beard. And he's on this podcast. Yeah. And His name's not Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I may have napped <laughs> sporadically and then wake up. Wait a minute, what's going on? Yeah. Where are we? <laughs> so, so good catching up. That I mean, I just I'm looking forward to the next trip. And honestly, I think you would uh, you would enjoy it. It's it's fun. You could uh, late summer. We'll talk mm-hmm. about late summer then. Yeah, we got to get you better first. Yeah, yeah. got to get that get get that doctor's note. Doctor's note. You can't ride without a doctor's note. <laughs> no, I just can't go back to work. <laughs> oh, right. Without a doctor's note. <laughs> we can ride. There, there are other stipulations <laughs> involved. But sure. Dang doctor, I just can't find him for anything. I'll go bike riding. It's probably at Sky Park. So, yeah. So we, I wanted to delve this weekend and for the next couple of weeks uh, and, and just put it out there and let everybody know that Jonathan, I, and Vinny, we all work together. We work at a local bike shop here where we live. And... Uh, the, a lot of the times that, that we that this podcast started was uh, some of the conversations and things that we have at work. And granted, uh, at work, we talk about our backpacking trips or adventures and bike rides that we did. But I figured it might not it might be time to just actually get into a little shop talk about shop talk, meaning the things that we do. And I know we've, we've hit around it a little bit and talk about things that happen at work. But we actually work at a bike shop. We're in the bicycle industry. Uh, we ride bikes. We work on bikes. We sell bikes. We are uh, we're involved with bikes quite, quite extensively. And uh, you know, I know how I came into being it. And I just, you know, you've been in the game a long time, Jonathan. Twenty years. Twenty years. Twenty one. It's going to yeah. Twenty one. Yeah. Twenty one years. A long time. That's, that's yeah. That's, that's half my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's I spent twenty two years in the Marine Corps. So yeah, that's 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 a minute. So cool. Well, I guess the question is, there's there's. I have several questions to ask you, much in the like that you did me when we talked about um, cooking. Yeah. You had your questions lined up. So I just want to touch base. I know that you got into cycling uh, when we talked about it during uh, The Reason We Ride uh, later than Vinny and I did. Or I, m- me, because I grew up with a bike. Vinny says he grew up with a bike. But you didn't get introduced to biking to like, high school, right? Is that what? Yeah, true, true biking was high school. Okay. Um, so late in the game, as far as picking it up as an activity or a hobby or fun, yeah. mm-hmm. and then so it being so late in the game, how how did how did this become your career path? Accidentally right. or purposely? No, or? very accidentally. Okay, you know, I mean, so uh, let's see. The high school I picked up a sixty dollar Univega road bike, and. I clipped in and I started riding. I was in I was in Diamond Bar. Um, I was riding, you know, th- th- like out to Fullerton and Brea and things like that. And then within a year's time, I got 
bored of riding road bikes that I started hopping curbs on my road bike, <laughs> denting rims, and then that's when I got into mountain biking. And at that time, it was... So what, what year? I mean... 1992, three, ninety two, ninety three. So at that time, though, mountain biking just was just sort of starting to yeah. come in and it's starting to develop right. its own little right. niche. Because early right? 80s, and mountain biking kind of evolved, right? Yeah. From, right. From Moraine County. Um, and... Uh, uh, so the 90s had to be when, like, the U.S. Nationals and all that stuff was... Norba. Norba was yeah, pretty National big. National Off-Road Bicycle Association. Yep. That yep. was the governing body for the races. I remember Norba. Yeah. Did you race, Vinny? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was 14, 15, 16, cross-country stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. You don't want to see me in those outfits now. No. No. I mean, maybe, no. but <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, Norba was happening. Um, U.S. Cup was also happening. Um but, uh, yeah, I got mountain biking then. It was, you know, caliper, V-brakes. No d- disc brakes hadn't happened yet. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the most extravagant bike out there was a mountain cycle. You know, the San Andreas uh, mountain cycle. Um, Were they the ones made in Laguna? I don't know. No, I think up north, up m- northern California. Is that the around the same time that the Proflex had the Beast? Yes. That was a. I almost bought the that Proflex. That was a bitchin' bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Gervin fork uh-huh. up front, uh, which is you know, unfortunately, by the way, listeners, we're gonna get a little bit techy because because bikes in in nature are techy. So I apologize in advance for s- sometimes using jargon that is gonna be weird. But I'm gonna act like I'm smart and I know what I'm talking about, and, and I'm just gonna keep listening like I know you know what you're talking about. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fake so. it till you make it. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Proflex Gribbon Fork, right? Uh-huh. I almost bought one of those, but Specialized was was hot um, at that point, and then uh, they had is that the Rock Hopper Stump Jumper? Yeah, uh, Rock frame? Hopper Stump Jumpers. Uh, they had come out with their FSR technology, um, which was a uh, oh geez. Four. Never mind. I'm not going to act like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but it was their new suspension design, and um, it was just basically to be more active and be able to pick up on small bump compliance, you know, versus big bumps and stuff like that. Yeah. So, when did you start working at a bike shop? 1998. I was at Biola University. Right. In college. Um, and I was a communications major, um, and I was also working at the cafeteria and I was a catering manager, you know, um, on campus and stuff. And then, um, I was on the mountain bike team at Biola. Really? So yeah, we were, wait a minute on the mountain, you were on the mountain bike team. I was on a mountain bike team. However, there are some, uh, details involved in that. (laughs) I was on the mountain bike team, um, uh, my, it was my freshman year, and I got on the mountain bike team. Um, it didn't take much, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, I was fast, and we were training, and we were getting ready for the spring series. And I never got to race because during one of our training uh, uh, practices or whatever, we were up at Weir Canyon, um, what, off the 91? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went over the bars 
bike landed sideways and it totally killed my derailleur hanger. And at that point, I was on a Kaloi, C-A-L-O-I, and it was made in Brazil. It was a hardtail. Um, and they did not believe in replaceable derailleur hangers. Oh, so it, the destroyed, shot. it, it the killed frame. the frame. Yeah, it killed the frame. Um, so uh, that was the end of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I never got to race, but I trained like a mother. But that was just like one year. So what about the following year? No, you were out of road, road. Oh, just yeah, yeah. So then I bought a. Um, that was eight hundred bucks, and uh, I I had bought that during my senior year in high school. Wow, with my own money, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, thankfully, my mom doesn't know how to listen to a podcast <laughs> because um, you know I told her it was like a hundred bucks for the bike. And obviously it was 800 bucks. And she would have died, right? She would have <laughs> killed me. Um, Apparently she still might. I don't know. Yeah. So um, so then when I killed that bike, uh, I ended up getting a loan um, for 1600 bucks, And I bought a, spe- a specialized FSR. Nice. Yeah. And believe it or not, I bought it from Village Bicycle Center, which, by the uh, way, Village Bicycle Claremont? Center is – nope is the predecessor to Jack's Bicycles, oh. which we work at. Wow. Yeah. So the Fullerton store, Jack's Bicycles. Uh-huh. Yeah. It used to be called Village Bicycle Center. Okay. Dave owned Village Bicycle Center, our owner, current, our current owner, Dave Hansen. Yeah. He owned Village Bicycle Center. I think I remember reading that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So That's pretty cool. I bought the bike from – yeah. W- uh, it's funny, you know, because years later, right, when I joined Jack's um, – um, a lot of the cl- the customer information had, you know, kind of been transferred over, transferred over, and my information was still in the database. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. From when you bought your yeah. So he sold so it. So that was 1990. Yeah, 1998. Wow. 99, 98. Yeah, that was about it. So, so a- after college, then. Well, I'm sorry. So, um, so during college, that happened. And one day, and, and, and so we were sponsored. Our team had a local bike shop sponsor, which was Atomic Bikes, and was in Whittier, which right. is all of two miles away from La Mirada. Um, and so, just like our customers like to come in and hang out at our bike shop, I used to go in and hang out at the bike shop. And so I certainly got to know many people. Um, and uh, one day or another, I said, you know, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm gonna look for a new job. Blah blah. blah. And they're like, well. Do you want to work here? Mm-hmm. Like what? And and really, I didn't I didn't know much still, you know. But they uh, they liked my personality for whatever odd reason, you know. Go figure. Um, <laughs> I'm not. Right. That's a whole nother. Podcast. It's a whole nother yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, so then I ended up being assistant manager. Yeah. There. So yeah. were you doing service? No, no, I was doing sales. Okay. Um and. Uh, I still didn't know a lot, you know. I mean, I was responsible, and they gave me keys right away. I was a key holder, wow. so I was opening and closing. Um, but I just didn't know the tech stuff, right, you know. So thankfully, there was a really awesome mechanic that really taught me a lot and taught me how to build wheels. You know, that's where I learned how to build wheels there. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was at Atomic Bikes. It used to be called Mount 60. And then, because they were off the 60 freeway, and then they turned into Atomic Bikes. It was off of Telegraph Road. Um, 
you know, by the sheriff station in Whitty in whatever Whittier. But uh did that and then I was really only there for about eight months. Um and at that point I had decided to uh you know uh take a hiatus from my studies in college. <laughs> um and so I decided to get married and have a kid and move to Hemet. And then so I ended up transitioning to Hemet um uh, at bicycle service center and that was in 1990 late 1999 yeah and that's when i first made my introduction to jordan or rather jordan's parents yeah yeah you know jordan is our our gm at the at the shop right now so so it was it, you're working at Bicycle Service Center. Was he like you were before? Was he sort of just hanging out at the shop? Yeah. Or? So I was I was more friends with Jordan's parents than I ever was with Jordan. With Jordan was 13 years old. Did they come into the shop a lot? Or yeah, did, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad was riding a lot. Okay. Yeah, that and makes then, sense. Um, I hit it off with his dad, and uh, there was an, another guy, uh, Joey. You know, um, um, and uh, we. Um, I was new to the area. Uh, they invited me to church. I was, you know, I hadn't found a church yet. And so like, okay, sweet. You know, and our daughter was what, you know, a year old or who knows what. And so Jordan's, Jordan's mom used to babysit, you know, our daughter, Holly. Oh, really? Who's okay. now 20 years old. Right. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and going and, to the same school you went to. And now going to Biola. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Jordan was 13 years old. Um, when I first met him. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So we got him on a on a mountain bike. Did you give him his first bike? Get him his first bike or first real bike? I guess you'll really? say. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh -huh. cool. Yeah. So, well, how did I mean? I, I get Jordan's not here, and we're asking. So was he automatically into the downhill? The, no, uh, no, no. I mean, yeah, he was 13 years old. You okay. Know? Um. So you I mean he, uh, certainly you know. We'll have to get him on sooner or later so that he can tell his side of the story. Right. Um, because on my side of the story, I, you know, I'm awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be totally different. It's going to be totally yeah. different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he had, he was already into biking, but, you know, certainly 13 year old doesn't, doesn't have money, you know, and I forget which model he, you know, bike he, he got, but it wasn't, it was not an expensive bike. Yeah. Um, and then for the next three years, he really got into it. Right. And then I ended up hiring him. We'll fast forward just a little bit, but I ended up hiring him when he was 16 years old. As yeah. a, as a tech or a floor sweeper or whatever, just, just whatever yeah. was needed at the shop. Or, yeah. Yeah. So our bike shop, our bike shop environment and demands were a lot simpler back then. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was a, that's a question I have written down, and, and as we go through this conversation and we get more of your history, but being in the game as long as you've been in the game, mm -hmm. what what's uh, what is some of the biggest differences from like when you were when you first started and you were a tech, and now being a service advisor or service supervisor and dealing with tech now? What do you think? The mountain bike technology. That's the that's the biggest innovation that has happened. As far like suspension, disc Suspen brakes, tires, yeah, frame material, the whole nine right, yards. Right. So, you know, for what it's worth, mountain biking was still, you know, new, right? Yeah. Um, and 
monoshock designs, which, by the way, are attributed to motorcycles, um, were really the deal because all they all the mountain bike engineers were trying to do was replicate dirt bike designs. However, um, dirt bikes have motors with a lot of horsepower mm-hmm. yeah. versus a person, human being, with probably half horse half half a horsepower uh, being able to climb. And so there's different dynamics, you know, that are happening with mountain bike or pedaling bike versus a, a motorbike. Yeah. And I know one of the things when, when I first got into a full suspension bike, the whole thing back then was uh, pedal efficiency when climbing. Yes. Right. Like right. how the bob and how you uh-huh, could overcompensate yeah going up and down on a bike while climbing right. a hill. So, so monoshock designs, you know, um, they bob a lot. And each time you bob, uh, a, p- a percentage of your power that you're applying into the pedals and into the back wheel is being absorbed into the rear shock. And boom, it's gone. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very inefficient. Um, and they were also bouncy because, you know, there wasn't any damping happening. Right. Know? Yeah. And and then and I think road bikes, I know there's some innovation in road bikes, but it's mostly been in frame design and frame weight because it's like Right, right. Mater- I mean, frame materials. Yeah, because it, a, a a road bike with the two up front and it, Road and bike that, hasn't changed. Yeah. That's really the deal. The mm-hmm. only thing they only thing I think they've really done is like we've gone from like six cogs in the back, now we're squeezing 11, 11 in right. the same place uh-huh. that we used to squeeze. Yeah. If anything, six. you know, right now, I mean, the, 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 the next level of complication in the road bikes has been the disc brakes mm-hmm. and what, what is required of disc brakes. Right. But that's just, that's of recent, right? In the last two years, whatever, that's what's been happening. Does e shifting show or like kind of throw a wrench in that too? Or mm. is that still pretty simple? Uh, yes, it throws a wrench in the sense that there's electronics happening. Mm hmm. Therefore, you have to have a have a new skill set to at least understand electronics. But beyond that, the nature of of the components is the same. Okay, right. That part hasn't changed. Yeah, I think everything they do with mount oh, with road bikes and to a certain extent mountain bikes now too. But they really look to shave weight, make it strong, but as light as possible. Yeah. Well, no, no. S- no. In my opinion, in my okay. humble opinion, no. Um, you would think so. And that's – okay. So trends go in and out. Right. And when it goes out, it comes back. Just like bell bottoms. Just like bell bottoms. Mm-hmm. Did you hear – you've heard me say that? What's the word? No. How would you steal that from me? I'm in your mind. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, so – um, I'll tell customers today, like, yeah, bell bottoms are back, <laughs> you know, and it's just, but, but, it's but just are a they, trend. Are they? I don't, I don't. They I'm, are yeah. to us, you know. Okay. To I Jonathan don't. and I, they yeah. are. Yeah. Okay. But it's just, it's just a trend. So, you know, th- there's going to be uh, a series of years that they're going to go after weight savings, and then there's going to be a series of years they're going to go after comfort, and then a series of years they're going to go after technology. And then sooner or later it'll mesh, but it takes time for right. all that to mesh. And then when it finally meshes, guess what? It's not pure weight savings. It's not pure technology. It's just it's somewhere in the middle. Who knows what? So, but it, it, the way you're saying, the way you're asking though, yes, I mean, road bikes 
have not evolved. They pretty stay pretty pretty static, um, you know, outside of frame materials and you know how they produce things. But beyond that, a road bike's a road bike. Mountain bike again, you really have thrown in some extra technology that requires a different, a way different skill set. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's the type of mountain bikes now too. So now you don't just have your hardtail and your full suspension. Now there's a range of full suspensions. Correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. But but in the full suspension, it just caused so many complications. Mm-hmm. So one of the beautiful parts about the innovation of the mountain biking was in the early two in the mid two thousands, uh, they finally were able I think in the mid two thousands, they were finally able to integrate motocross technology into mountain bikes. And Fox certainly was the, still the leader at that time, and they had all their special valving. And guess what? They were able to miniaturize it into mountain bike forks, and then that was the game changer. Yeah. That's when you officially required a new skill set and new tools, and that's when it started to suck for bike shops. Mm-hmm. So, I know we well were suck is a term i right. use but <laughs> it's it got complicated for bike shops right because you you often um had a thought and i don't know where it went but um so you're there bicycle service center bicycle service center i was there uh from 99 through 2001 okay and then i was a little bit bored just because you know i mean i'm like 20 years old mm-hmm. and wanting to do something with my life and Bike shop did not seem ideal. Right. Um, so uh, I ended up uh, getting a job at Giant Bicycles. You guys, but you guys were a giant dealer, right? We were a giant dealer. Yeah. Right, right. Sold the giant iguanas. The giant oh, iguanas. Oh, gosh. The iguanas. <laughs> oh, boy. That was my dad's first bike. Do you have any giant iguanas? <laughs> yeah, we should do. What do you feed them? <laughs> <laughs> it's just that funny because they the they still have they get. still have like you know you see the like a giant rain it's yeah. like I don't know mm-hmm. anyway so <laughs> that was your connection with giant that was, was my working with giant with right yeah so Perry Kramer you know the PK Ripper guy mm-hmm. um, he got me a job at Giant and then I went to, to work at Giant um, as a warranty whatever specialist. So you were the peop- the person that people called if they had a question about if this is I was the people. You were I the was no the person guy? that people called when they had complaints about their bikes. Yeah, yeah. It's never anything good, right? That, no, no. That was that was for what it's worth. Warranty departments is the bottom of the rung of abuse and respect and everything. Uh, you had to you had to be technical. You had to know stuff, which sucks. It's crazy, you know, because you're probably smarter than half the guys in the room, but you are you were forgotten about you weren't cared about it was like you're you're a peon yeah so i did hate that part about it yeah you know and it didn't matter whether you know because i mean i ended up finally you know becoming you know uh, whatever a warranty supervisor which is below the warranty manager you know which is the department head Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't matter i mean just the whole the warranty department was an afterthought at that point in time Within the bicycle industry, warranty okay. The warranty in itself is is an expense account. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's not a revenue generating department. 
it's an expensive department, mm-hmm. right? Um, so uh, the point in warranties is you try to limit your losses, your, your, losses, mm-hmm. your risk, right? Your exposure. Um, and uh, you have to figure out the fine line be- between being a, a good guy and a bad guy. You know, the bad guy is saying, no, sorry, you ran into a wall. Your warranty claim is denied. So with with that experience, do you think knowing and doing that in the past and knowing how it operates, do you think that that's some of the reason you might be as successful as you are with dealing yep. with warranty people? You hit it right on the head. Okay. Totally. I know what they're thinking. I know what they're up against. Right. Um, and uh, I have worked very well, in my opinion, again. Well, no. I have worked well, very well with with, with our current warranty department. Well, I don't know if you know what I said. It's as successful as you are with, because it seems to me that anytime you're dealing with a warranty type of deal, you have a very good rapport with the other person on the phone. You type very descriptive emails and, and you're very successful in getting things handled for the client, be it at no cost or very minimal cost yeah. to either us, the client, or right, or the co- you know the yeah. company that you're dealing with. So no, thank you for recognizing that. And yes, I like am fully aware that I am using my experience to not manipulate, but to be successful. Right. In, oh. With with the claims and stuff. I mean, I know I hang out in the back, but I hear things. No, I, I, I mean, pick up on things. You helped me out. I had new bars in a day. How how does that happen? I mean that's insane, magic, yeah. right? So no, I he's he's very good. So so you attribute that totally one hundred percent to being in it. Completely in understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, even if I don't know, you know, uh, the, the manufacturer's internal policies. Uh huh. Again, I understand the concepts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, I I have a feeling of what I can push and what I cannot push. Okay, so yeah. You bring that you bring that to your current to the table currently. What else do you think? Or I, I don't know what you. How long were you at Giant? You did warranty. What else did you pick up? Or what else is yeah. some valuable yeah, arrows yeah. that you put in your quiver while working at totally, Giant that totally. you fill? Um, so I was fortunate, unfortunate to work at Giant for three years only. Um, one of my regrets was leaving Giant. You know. Um, um, I ended up leaving Giant just because I there was a little bit of animosity harassment from my my department manager, you know, um, and uh, uh, I was still young enough that I did not know how to get through the weeds, you know, mm, right? Um, because uh, the other other uh, the other department managers at one point were coming to me and not going to my manager. Yeah, and then ultimately getting me in trouble because you know it's almost like I'm trying to take over or whatever circumvent the circumvent, chain of command, right? You know, and uh, I mean, at one point, I literally s- said to the product development manager, who's typically like the mover and shaker of the company, right? That's the person who is fully in charge of all the models coming out and whatever. And I said, why are you coming to me? Wow. You could stop coming to me. You're getting me in trouble. I literally said that. Yeah. You know, and then he just kind of gave me the look like. <laughs> no one wants to go to the other person. Right. You know, yeah. but like, you're getting me in trouble. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So that, that guy felt threatened. 
I guess. Whatever. I don't know what words to use. Okay. You know what I mean? And yeah. certainly he's not here to defend himself. No, you know? I got you. Yeah. Um, so purely from my perspective was that um, I did not feel welcome anymore. Okay. And uh, I wanted to transfer into other, into the other departments, but for whatever reason, I wasn't qualified there. I don't know, whatever. So I just like, all right, I'm leaving. But you, you mentioned earlier when we were uh, before we before we started recording about some of the things you learned there was like you understand ma- you you feel you have more of a, a grasp or understand the manufacturing. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. what what do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah. Well, okay. So so the the fun part about Giant. Okay, I'm, I'm I know I started on a really sour note of Giant. No, no. And the fact I of why. Well, I did. Um, <laughs> but the the again the fortunate part of me being there or, or, you know, my time there is that um, if I was to, to, to take away one skill set from Giant um, was uh, my understanding of logistics. Um, so I became... Supply I would demand like to supply or, and demand. Or, or like so, yeah, how, supply this, chain. how this, how it all comes supply together to make management. a bike mm-hmm. and nice. it goes out to the store. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, so working with the manufacturers, working work, working with the purchasing department, um, um, I ultimately be, became a professional at in logistics. And what's awesome about that skill set is it's, it doesn't have to do anything with bikes. Right. It's logistics, period. I can do pharmaceutical logistics. I could do UPS logistics. And I could do anything you have, logistics. You have logistics, yeah, too, background, right? 20 Vinny? years of supply chain. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. understand it a lot too, like. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In okay. and outs. Like you can go anywhere with it. Right. I mean, from military, government, to pharmaceuticals, to food, to yeah. you name it. Yeah. Right. It, right. It's an amazing field. Yeah. So, and and you know, later on we'll talk about how I gave up on my dreams. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> we're here uh, for you. I know, right? Um, your dreams not to work with me and Vinny on the daily. That's really that's not your dream. Like I said, I gave up on my dreams. <laughs> I established new ones <laughs> or nightmares um, or whatever. So um, at that time, the warranty department, again, was still an afterthought. And so uh, months after the bikes were released, um, we would get replacement parts. And... Sometimes they were the right replacement parts, and then most times they weren't the right replacement parts. And then so we would end up ordering bikes from the warehouse and stripping them and sending out the parts that w- were needed. What a waste mm-hmm. of money. So was Giant, did they have a lot of pr- proprietary pr- uh, parts on the bike, or were you— It wasn't the fact that it was proprietary, but, you know, I mean, an easy, an easy problem to have is, hey, I ordered 10 bikes at the bike shop. And, you know, one of them came damaged and there's a scratch um, on the cranks. Okay. Right. Well, okay. I mean, th- there's a version of, well, why don't you just go buy some cranks and put them on and I'll write you a credit. But it's more like, well, I mean, the bike comes with these cranks and the customer wants these cranks. Right. So why are you not prepared to give me the same cranks that were on this bicycle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we would get one shipment period for the year, for the model year. And that was stupid. That's it. That was it. Right. Right. Um, 
and there was no way you were going to get any more from Taiwan. It just wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, so uh, I recognized the issue. I voiced the issue. Uh, the uh, purchasing director um, at Giant, who became my mentor, Mike Fort, um, who's still out there and making wonderful things happen within the bicycle industry. Uh, awesome. You know, um, he uh, welcomed me and said, okay, you know, if you want to make some changes here, um, I'll, I'll, sh I'll, I'll show you how to do some stuff. And at that time, you know, um, my idea of what a mentor was or instruction was was very limited. I, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was going to be a classroom setting, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, versus on-the-job training, right? So that was like my first kind of uh, exposure to true professional on-the-job training. Um, so he got me access um, to uh, – well, so there's this thing called a bill of materials. Um, it, and a bill of materials within the bicycle industry or for a one bicycle model is literally line by line a breakdown of what? every part it's on, on the that bicycle, bike? right? And a lot of times it's cryptic in mm -hmm. the sense that they're not trying to be cryptic, but they just don't want to use big words. So then, you know, SIL stands for silver, right? BLK stands for black. Mm -hmm. But keep on going. There's m way more other acronyms or short whatever, you know, codes. And then so you would have to you try to understand what those were. Um, and so I didn't have any pictures of bikes. I just had the BOMs. And um, I had I taught myself to interpret what the BOMs were going to be. And at least I know, like, you know, OK, this is the, the line for a crank set. Right. You know, and then so I try to figure out what it was and then I would cross reference it with another model and another model and another model. And then I would look for the, the commonalities of it and be like, OK, boom, this is the model I want to get. So um, Mike got me uh, access to Taiwan's portal um, at that time. We were still in it. We, you know, we, we were in it already, you know, yeah. um, but uh, I got into the portal. I was able to look at the BOMs. And see what's going on. So then I was able to put an, a first initial order in before the product launch, right? And that was beautiful because these were six month lead times, mm -hmm. right? Um, so one of my proudest moments was the one year when bikes were released, parts were already in stock, right? The parts that we needed, right? Um, again, I was able to micromanage, I was able to massage you know, the typical orders, right, um, and, and get in the stuff that would work for us. Um, and then six months later, I was able to put in another order, and so, so we ended up getting two shipments a year, right? And that's all we needed, per se, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but to be able to, to, uh, to maneuver through what Taiwan manufacturing was offering maneuver with the product managers who did not want to spill the beans because at that point in time, well, still to this day, people don't want to talk about 2020 product, 2021 product, right? We want to talk about 2019 product. Um, 
And so you, 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 you hold, you know, all that information very close to your chest, mm -hmm. right? Or to the vest, whatever. Um, and by the way, um, the bicycle industry, the way it works is it's 2019. Um, they work three years ahead. So they're already on 2022 stuff. Wow. Right. As, as far now, as like getting the manufacturing lined up for it to uh, uh, designing, designing, mm -hmm. okay. designing and, and sorts like that. You know, it finally, you know, towards the, that last year or the pre the year going into the next whatever model year, then they're finalizing things. And mm -hmm. certainly production is happening for it to arrive in time. Right. You mm -hmm. know, so, you know, like so right now, um, 2020 stuff. Um, is already starting to come about. So, so, because that's one of my questions. Why do the model years come out like this time of year in summer? Is it because of the racing season, or is it? It, it sped up. It supply chain has improved things, but it used to be like later in the year, up. right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like October maybe. Uh, uh correct. Right. Okay. Um, sometime in August. Um, uh, um, sometime in August new products would start being released. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to auto. Yeah, totally yeah. auto, right? Yeah. Um, and then but at least auto's pretty standard with like September. It's always been kind of that way though, no? Right. Yeah, it has. Well, I mean, right. it yeah, just, August, it just changed by a few months, but those yeah. few months are crucial to us. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Um, so well, I, I, I see a big gap in like right now when you try to order a bike, there's no 19s available. And then the 20s aren't available till August, right? Mm -hmm. end of August. Right. And now you have like holes. And for what it's worth, it's always been a problem. Okay, so that's okay. just the standard type of thing to it's deal with? It's a standard problem. Okay. There's different reasons for the different problems. So back then, okay, you release a product in, in, in August of of. Let's just use current model year, right? Yeah. So um, if I release something in 2019, mm -hmm. that's my 2020 lineup. Um, right then and there, it, it, it automatically makes my 2019 products obsolete and then therefore diminishes their value. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, but by the way, as I'm saying this, there's dif different faces to what's happening here. So – Hopefully, I can speak articulately enough for you guys to understand, right? And if I sound confusing, please stop me and, mm -hmm. and ask. But, um, again, old school-wise, if we're, if we're operating old school, right now, 2019 in August, stuff gets released. You may not even see the new stuff uh, or all the full extent of the lineup until – December or January, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, certainly, the idea there is, well, it's 2020 product, so why would we launch it any earlier? We want, it launch it, we want to launch it as close to 2020 as possible, right? But let's just pretend I launch it on January 1st, 2020, right? Release it, rather. And bikes are available to, to purchase, who in the rest of the country is going to be able to buy 
bicycles on January 1st in the dead of winter mm-hmm. um, and be able to sell them at the same time. Southern California. Huh. I never looked at it that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Honestly. Right. So so if you were to play this out, right? Okay, so Southern California just bought all the bikes and Giant, for, for the example here, is sitting on bikes until spring. April, March, April, mm-hmm. for the Midwest and East East Coast bike shops to melt th- melt down f- their snow <laughs> to be able to sell bikes. So now they're sitting on all this stupid inventory. Right, okay. So you launch it in August, at least, where, where everyone, there's some semblance of... Same weather across of, the country. Yeah, of similar weather. You're going into fall, but it's not snow yet. And then, boom, people are excited about getting the new products. And then as soon as you hit November, guess what? Your sales slump. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're kind of limping along until February, March. Right. So in California, we don't have we don't have any blips. Yeah. So we're just buying bikes all year long. It doesn't for, matter to us. For here, it crea- uh, Southern California, it creates kind of a demand for Christmas, too. Right. Uh-huh. When they have they Correct. see those bikes coming out. So now California, all of a sudden that becomes a Christmas commodity. Correct. Yeah. 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 So that's old school. Okay. New school now with supply chain with be- way better supply chain management, they're literally dialing down, um, uh, you know, how much they have left, wh- how long it's going to take for them to sell that product out, and then at that point, hey, you know what? Let's just pre-release these bikes in June or May, classify them as 2020, because what's the difference anyways? We already sold through a 2019 stock. Yeah. Right? Because back when, if I sold through my 2019, my if I sold through my old stock, my stock, um, but I wasn't getting ready, I wasn't ready to launch until at least August. Well, let's just pretend I sold out in May. So I got June, July, and half of August Three months. with no bikes mm-hmm. to sell. Yeah. So, okay, so... On that, and, and we've segued way over here and instead of talking about your, your history, but um, how, if you're, it, it, since you've been on that side, how do they determine how many of each model to make? What is that determination? Because I know in my industry or my previous industry, I ordered based on PARs of what I did the previous night or what I did last Friday. You know, if I had this mm-hmm. on a Friday, then I would know I'd probably need that much, uh, that certain type of food product again or again or whatever. So I used a daily sheet to help me p- plan for my week. How then do they do the same thing? They'd look at what sells or do they do an increase or do they? A perfect example. I know for two years in a row now, the bike that Vinny and I both ride mm-hmm. has sold gonna, out. I was going to bring that right. up. You know, yeah. so how, how do they know, yeah. like rolling into 2020, how many? How did they know how many of the slashes to make? Well, so the idea on logistics and supply chain management is forecasting, mm-hmm. right? And what tools do you use to forecast? The tool you have historical references, mm-hmm. and then you just have a pure guessing game as to how many you think you're going to sell because you know what bell bottoms are back and everyone wants them and. One in four households are going to own bell bottoms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So you you, you 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 end up doing that math, unfortunately. But then, 
where in the fact does it come in? Because I think Trek, when I went to some of the Trek training and, you know, on certified training for, for service, they talked about the average that a person owns a bike. Mm-hmm. If the average that a person owns a bike is 11 years, how, how does that come into play? If I, if I sell out of this model this year, an average person is going to own that bike six or seven years, am I counting on getting that many new sales? I mean, it's now that I'm thinking, that's, of it, it's like so. That's two. That's a very, very macro perspective. That's like mind-boggling, economics. though. I think you can't do that. It's got to be micro, right? Uh-huh. So you, you really got to go back to just your historicals. Okay. You know, so um, uh, okay. So the the simplest of math is going to be. The, you know, um, in 2018, uh, the bicycle industry collectively sold, you know, 4 million units. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then um, I know, and, and we will know that because um, all the, all the bicycle manufacturers will, um, um, hello, not unanimous, um, anonymous, <laughs> anonymously report in their numbers into one organization okay um and then it it at least lets the bicycle the 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 industry know what's trending Mm -hmm. but you know certainly um if i'm track i'm not going to tell them how many units i've officially sold right Mm -hmm. right but i know that i sold one million units let's just pretend so if the industry is reporting four million then that means i own 25 percent of the market share Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Twenty five percent of my bikes were sold last year. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and then you have to, and then you're when you're doing that, and you're forecasting, and you're looking, and you're looking historical, and in order, and and just the basic of economics, you have to factor in growth, right? Because if I sold a million units last year, sure, then I need to sell a million. This five is this units. is where the forecasting gets stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Because okay. now you're you're forecasting is math and art. Right, the art form is, what what's the what's the crystal ball, of you know at having so and so president, you know, um, in the White House, um, and is he a friend? Is he friendly to manufacturing? Is he friendly to retail? Is he fr- you know small business? What is he friendly to? Right, all that fun stuff, mm-hmm. and then let alone taxes or no taxes or who knows yep. what, right? And how you get the stimulus is of of the of that, um, so. That's that's your bigger ex- external forces, right? That are creating your demand, but internally you still have to kind of go. Okay, of my one million bikes, sixteen um, percent um, of those were cruisers. So therefore, okay, you know, how did we do in our cruiser line? And then, do we want to grow that cruiser line? Because you know what, um, some out- outside studies, third party. Uh, 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 surveys have happened that you know what the reason why people don't like riding their cruisers is because the seats are uncomfortable not because the weather sucks right right and so okay great so then you develop a new seat and you try to market that you know versus the weather just sucking mm-hmm. so un- unfortunately you're you you got to be a little bit conservative on forecasting based off of just history and going, okay, well, 
you know, if we sold a, a thousand units of these, of this blue and white model, mm -hmm. and and while we s we were sold out by April, okay, did we sell out in April by April because people like blue and white or people like the the parts package that was included in it, and they didn't care about the blue and white. So well, there were a lot of green left over. And a lot of green left over, <laughs> right? Yeah, and no, not a lot of blue and yellows. Those are gone. The green's gone too. Now, it yeah, some time. it becomes the last part, right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take whatever I can get, type of thing. Well, I, I I got a green, so I, I, I like a green. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, so <laughs> what I want to do, because uh, I feel that this can go on, and unbeknownst to everybody in this room, I think this needs to be a two-parter. And we'll pick it up again next week, but good insight, and I want to keep that train th that thought. I want to keep that thought process going because I think the economics and the forecasting and the talking about the bicycle industry is fascinating just because I love economics and mm -hmm. that type of thing, even though I don't totally understand it. I think and it's by the way, disclaimer, I think it's fun. I am no longer a logistics professional <laughs> and half of everything I'm saying you know, is coming out of my butt. If I if I hear you say anything in, incorrectly, I will I will try to speak up. But it's also been a couple years for me, right? You know. So, um, and and you know, because I'm I'm not intimate with any of the numbers anymore, mm -hmm. right? I mean, well, no, I'm know. not. And, so and, I'm speaking very from a and, and our disclaimer from episode one is that we don't claim to be experts right. on anything. Yeah. We just yeah. we like to talk about stuff, yeah. and I think it's it's interesting as a as, as a shop talk type of thing to talk about the big picture. Mm -hmm. I do think we got a little off track of of, of your history. I think it's all in there. I it's mean, all I, tied I, I into figured, it. I, I knew we were going to kind of get into this stuff because it's not just, you know, my history, but it's about how what the what the bike bicycle industry is and stuff like that. People don't need to really, you know, need to hear every intimate detail of my history, per se, but more about, you know, what um, maybe what my perspective of the industry hmm of my history in the industry is and stuff like that. Well, to me, it's cool, too, because it shows you're passionate, obviously. I mean, you know that much about it. If you didn't care, <laughs> you would not be so. able to speak that's to a, that's, it. Yeah, that's a it's, good it's re awesome. reminder Yeah, because um, sometimes I get, I still get overwhelmed, right, yeah. dealing with just with, with people at work. Um, Sorry. But, yes, right, this is the part of, of I, my life, of, of my professional life that I actually – love uh -huh. and i honestly think listening to you talk and then like i said how good you are dealing with with um the warranty issues on the side and helping customers and helping companies on both sides of the phone call but tracking and just looking and forecasting and doing things i think i think in the bicycle industry your perfect job would be sitting in a cubicle looking at a computer oh, yeah. and 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 Grabbing things and like you see on the on the Mission Impossible movies, grabbing this and putting it here and touching it and having all these layers of information in front of you. I think you're an information junkie. You like to research and look and know stuff. Just from my, I mean, I could be wrong. It just sort of, but you're a plethora of knowledge. When I ask you something, you seem to always know where to go, how to get it, or if you don't, you know exactly how to where to go to find the information. So, I think having you around is an asset, especially for someone that's only been in, in this industry for not even three years yet. So I think your knowledge base is just 
it's impressive to me and and your your skills with dealing with things is impressive but i do i think we'll wrap this one up take a break for about a week bring it back up because there's more things i want to talk about because i know we were going to like uh delve delve into like the skinny tire sect and road biking yeah i mean we for the next cool week. part is we got five weeks of this right yeah bicycle um, talk but we, we we had different topics that we have scheduled so to turn this into a two-parter fine so be it and chances are we might still just weed into you know our second week schedule or right. second week topic um i haven't really talked about it much because next week's is supposed to be road bikes or rather the Next topic supposed to be road bikes. Yeah, um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll, and we'll see out. if you come back because if headhunters hit you up now, man, you might not be back, right? Man. Yeah, but he could also be off work for another week. Because well, you we, have to heal up before you can go on interviews. Because we, I, I don't want you to go on interviews though. We haven't found that doctor yet. So, um, two things. Uh, I do wanted to wrap up this week with a shout out and. You know, just just because it's, it was fun to watch, I do want to give a shout out to the uh, United States women's soccer team. That's, that was an impressive run through the World Cup. Uh, whatever side of the political fence you're on on that, for purely sports, I thought it was fun. And I do think that the men's team is coming along. I, they were, you know, second place loss in Mexico in the in the Gold Cup in the in the Copa. So that was fun to watch. But by the way, in future episodes, if we did have time to talk about it. That would be a fun topic to yeah, have. Just that would. Because it, I don't think it needs to be political, political, but I think that there are nuances around how they get paid, what the, you know, what, what, uh, how, what, how much exposure they get and mm-hmm. things like that, that I would just like to um, debate about. Yeah. We could touch on that. But is, yeah. For, they won. So, period. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know what I mean. And so, and I've and I've never played soccer, but it, it's literally fun to watch. And it's it re, it's a know. tough sport. Oh yeah, I I've can, played for years. That, it's tough. that whole running thing is not, yeah. We not don't like in. climbing hills. Try running nonstop, <laughs> just running, running, for 90 running, minutes, running, yeah. and it's fun. And then uh, another shout out that I wanted to get just because it was so much fun uh, to Santa's Village Sky yes. Park, Sky Park at Santa's Village. Thanks, guys. It was a really good trip that we had up there this week. Looking forward to our next one. Maybe we can get Jonathan up there before the end of the year. And, you know, as always, if we look out the window, yeah, right there it is. You can see it. That's the weekend. Hey, guys, have a good time. Thanks, Jonathan. Vinny, you'll come back next week? I hope so, yeah. Okay. You remember where how to get here? I think so. I'm yeah. just going to sleep here again. Okay. Just, uh, you know, don't get too involved with the weekend. No. So thanks, Jonathan. Bye, guys. Thanks, Vinny. See ya. Bye.